Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Kent C. Dodds. Kent, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. All right. So I'm sure there are some people out there who might just be meeting you for the first time. So could you tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Kent C. Dodds and I live in Utah. Um, I have a wife and four kids and a dog and we are happy here. (laughs) Um, I have been a full-time educator for the last two years. Before that, I worked as a JavaScript engineer at PayPal and uh, various companies before that. I was at PayPal for three years. And uh, yeah, I teach people how to write quality software. And the goal ultimately is to make the world a better place uh, through the quality software that people build from what I teach them. So that's kind of what I'm all about. Um, I I do a lot with uh, React specifically, really focused on the front end um, side of things. But I do plenty on the, the server as well and lots of tooling stuff. Um, I'm the author of React Testing Library, uh, the de facto testing uh, library for React, uh, as well as uh, various other framework too. And yeah, I created testingjavascript.com, where I teach people how to uh, test their code, and epicreact.dev, where there's just a silly amount of content about um, (laughs) learning how to write Epic React. And uh, yeah, I do a lot with TypeScript and Babel, and uh, yeah, just... Pretty much whatever I'm excited about or whatever, I'm going to be. Fantastic. So, yeah, you definitely, uh, I think, have a lot of very, very motivated fans uh, who really, I think, you've helped out a ton. What led to that change from working from PayPal to deciding that you, you know, a better place for you was was helping people learn these technologies? Well, I had been doing um, teaching on the side for a ever since I graduated from BYU uh, back in 2014. And even actually when I was in school, I was uh, teaching my classmates. Uh, I, I did a workshop on AngularJS and stuff. Um, so teaching has always been a, a natural part for me. Um, making money while teaching didn't happen until a month or two after I graduated from college. And um, yeah, so it was always just a thing that I did on the side. And I was just really motivated to share my knowledge. Um, it was a great way to solidify my understanding of what it was that I'm, uh, whatever I was learning at the time. Uh, it was really good for job security. So I, I could kind of establish myself as an expert in whatever it was I wanted to establish myself and as, as an expert in. It was also just a, I found out pretty quickly <clears throat> that this can be pretty lucrative too. So um, doing this on the side, it was kind of like, okay, this will pay my mortgage. So that was awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, but then I, I started getting a little bit more, uh, spending a little bit more time on it. And I have a wife and four kids and I want to spend time with them too. And so it just became too much to have a full-time job. And then after I put the kids to bed to also work on um, all of this extra stuff. And, and I realized that if I focused my day job time on, um, on this side stuff, that I would be able to make enough to um, make up for my salary. So I didn't need to have a full-time job anymore. And that was kind of when I decided, okay, um, between building a product and teaching people how to build a product, um, I enjoy teaching people how to build a product even more. Mm-hmm. And um, I can ultimately, like it's been my goal <clears throat> for a very long time to just make the world a better place. It's just always the, you know, I, I think lo- for lots of people, like it's, it's yeah. kind of a fluffy goal a little bit, but uh, I think a lot of people would say that's what they're trying to do. 
But for me, I, I feel like the best way I can accomplish that is by reaching a lot of people and teaching them how to build quality software. And then they can go and take what I've taught them to make their uh, software even better. And hopefully what they're doing is making the world a better place. Um, I'm sure that plenty of people who have <laughs> learned from me have, yeah. have gone on to build bad software, um, like quality software that it does bad things. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, but for the most part, like I, if I um, was worried about that, then I'd just be paralyzed. I wouldn't do anything useful. So right. I just kind of ignore that uh, potential and, and feel like most people uh, are making the world a better place in whatever way they can. And so if I can teach them how to do that better, then I feel like I accomplished my goal. So that that's yeah. why I switched over to teach. Yeah, that, I agree with that. I think uh, it's much easier and I think probably more accurate that more people are are good and want to do good things. And so you're gonna you're gonna wind up having a, a much much greater net. Yeah, net at least it's a net so, positive. Yeah, ho- yeah, hopefully, for sure. Um, so I I, I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned is you have been teaching for. Uh, a long time. It sounds like that's something that you always uh, enjoyed or have for a while. Um, and one of the reasons that you gave was that it really helped solidify uh, concepts for you. Do you think that mm. this is, I mean, I think I think that this is pretty common, but like, do you, do you find that that's just a good way for anybody to learn? Um, I, I think so. I, I actually have a blog post about this called Solidifying What You Learn, where I, um, I quote Ashley Williams, who was on one of my podcasts years ago, uh, where she said, teaching is nature's way of showing you how sloppy your understanding is, <laughs> <laughs> which I really appreciated. And at the time I was uh, teaching and, and making courses and stuff. So I, I knew what she said was true. Like I had experienced it firsthand. I don't believe there are any exceptions to this rule. I think that um, the process of having to convert what you un- feel like you understand in your mind uh, into something that's consumable by somebody else that will reveal a lot of holes in your understanding, which ultimately will um, either you will be required to fill in those holes or you just will fail at teaching. Um, and mm-hmm. so and and maybe you'll fail in a good way where you learn and you're like, oh, I guess I better make sure I fill in those holes because people <laughs> are going to ask questions. Um, totally. But uh, yeah, so I, I feel like whether it's writing a blog post or making a YouTube video or, or whatever you end up doing, uh, whatever content you create or however that ends up working, the process of creating that content is going to solidify in your mind the concepts that you're trying to explain. And the cool thing about this is that you don't need anybody to read it or to Mm -hmm. consume it for that Mm -hmm. process to take place. Uh, Having people consume it is useful because sometimes they'll uh, provide feedback and correct you or something like that. Um, But for the most part, uh, it's just the process that gets you um, understanding what it is that that you think you, you thought you knew. Uh, and this happens to me over and over again, where I think that I have an understanding about it. So I start writing a blog post or I start creating a workshop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, by the time I get to a workshop phase, I pretty much get it. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I mean, sometimes um, even during that process, I, I learn new things. Or yeah. But uh, yeah, it, inevitably, there will always be uh, a situation where I'm like, oh, I that's not working the way I thought it was. Or what, what has happened to me is now I can't build things very fast, um, at least not with newer technologies, which I typically am trying to do. I, I like to learn the newer things. Um, that's just because that's what I'm supposed to, what I'm um, geared to do for my job. And so, yeah, I, I'm very slow when I'm building stuff because I'm typically using the newer stuff 
And um, I can't just copy and paste from someplace and just say, oh, it's working. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. I have to really dive deep and understand it because for me, in my mind, I, I'm going to be answering people's questions about this. And if I can't explain it, why we're doing it a certain way, then uh, I won't be an effective teacher. So that just means <laughs> that I'm really slow at building stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't really do the, it's just because, trust yeah, me, stop yeah, exactly. asking questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, pretty much anytime I, I run into a situation where I'm like, well, it works this way, it doesn't work that way, and I don't know why, um, mm -hmm. then I, I have to hit brakes on yeah. everything and just figure out why. Uh, especially when it's like, well, I'd prefer it to do it this way, or I'd, it feels more natural to do it this way. Sometimes I'll do something naturally and it happens to be the right way. And I maybe don't know why it wouldn't work a, an alternative way. And so that, that does sometimes slip in where it just like, I naturally fell into the right way to do it. And mm -hmm. I don't understand why uh, somebody else wa might want to try it a different way. And so that's where actually getting feedback from other people who for some one reason or another naturally fell into a, an alternative approach um, is really useful because they, I'd say, well, I never even thought about it, doing it mm -hmm. that way. Um, and then I have to dive in deeper. And so that, actually, this kind of takes me down a different path. Feel free to interrupt me if, if you no, want. No, go but ahead. One of the yeah. things that really worried me about going full-time teacher was um, I remember going to university classes and um, my professors would teach me one thing and then I'd go to my internship mm -hmm. and they were doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well... Um, I guess I'll just do what they're doing because like they're paying me, so I'll do it. Um, and uh, come to realize, not, not the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have to choose one of the two. Not, yeah, not go with the, the one that, that gives you money. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe that's not always the best advice, but in this case, I think it applies. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I realized that oh, like this industry moves really fast, yeah. and these e even if these professors were in industry just like five years ago, um, they're still out of date, and they. Um, in, in those instances where they're teaching me old stuff, it's because they weren't keeping themselves up to date. So I was really worried going full-time teacher that I would lose that. Um, I'd, I'd lose touch with what's going in, uh, going on in the world. And uh, so I've been able to combat that by being really active in the community, um, really active in open source and continuously building stuff with whatever new is coming out. And so I've played around with uh, with uh, the newer things that are coming out in the React community and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then on top of that, I also um, make myself, uh, I, I position myself as an expert in the React community. So even uh, experienced uh, and advanced React developers will come to me uh, with their problems. And what's interesting about that is um, they don't come to me with their simple problems. Right. Uh, they come to me with their most complicated problem. Uh, and so that it continue, I, I'm able to be continuously exposed to the hardest problems that people are experiencing. And so I've been able to avoid feeling like I'm losing touch with um, with what it's like to build a product, even though it's been over two years now that I've been a full-time teacher. Yeah, that was just kind of an interesting thing. Like the, I find that the best way to gain experience as a developer, especially in this ever-changing industry, is to have experiences and you have experiences by exposing yourself to problems. Right. And so um, by having this exposure where I'm, I'm open and willing to help people solve their problems. They bring to me 
the hardest problems that they're facing. And I, I get the exposure to those sorts of problems so that I can stay up to date with whatever's going on. So if you put yourself in the shoes of a junior developer or maybe like an aspiring developer and have a, a software job yet, how would you recommend getting those experiences? How would you recommend getting access to those types of problems and, and learning? Is it possible at that stage or, or is that that for later? Yeah, I think it absolutely is possible for sure. Um, what I recommend, I mean, for, for those folks, you're not, you don't have a job right now. So you don't have somebody telling you, okay, I need you to, to take this task. And I know that you don't have experience with that yet. This is a stretch. Here's a new experience. I'm exposing you to a new problem, right? So you don't have that. You have to create it for yourself. And there are countless tutorials online that you can follow, like step-by-step -step tutorials and stuff like that. I would recommend against um, putting all of your time into those. Uh, actually, I don't actually go through step-by-step -step tutorials. Um, for me, I, I build stuff. Um, and that, that's not to belittle the, the efforts of people who create those. Or oh, I, I create build stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I create my own, um, um, my own courses and stuff. They're not really step-by-step -step tutorials necessarily. But um, so those things can be useful. They give you a path. But you've got to go outside of that path and build something yourself to really get uh, expose yourself to the problems because um, and, and not only expose yourself to the problems, but find the solution. Because if you're just following a step by step, it's a cow path that's been um, already laid for you. Uh, you won't run into uh, the errors that whoever created the content ran into to create it for you in the first place. You'll you'll go right through what they they prepared and depending on the skill level of the the content creator um, you may miss out on a lot of the really valuable learnings and mm -hmm. this is actually one of the biggest challenges as a content creator myself to make sure that i avoid making people miss out on important concepts and learnings um, and mm -hmm. that, that's a big challenge that's that's why i'm i'm successful as a content creator is because i've i've learned how to to accomplish that. But uh, even with my stuff, I don't recommend that people just solely depend on the content that I create, but actually they need to go and build stuff themselves. So as far as like, what do I build? Um, I actually suggest that unless you want to become a project manager uh, or a product owner and make decisions on what features to include or whatever, um, try to offload that by making a clone. Don't, don't build your mm -hmm. own thing. Uh, because if you decide, okay, I'm going to make my own app. Now, not only are you responsible for development work, but you're also responsible for feature decisions. Um, yeah, that's like a whole other discipline. Exactly. Precisely. So um, I say, forget about that. Um, I mean, I'm sure that you're a very intelligent person and you could be successful in your own company. But if that's not what you're trying to go for right now, uh, and you're trying to focus on your development skills, then um, offload all of those decisions to a um, another company um, you're not trying to build a product. You're just trying to up your skills. And so clone something else. So um, make make a Hacker News clone or a Twitter clone or um, some sort of like chat bot clone or whatever it is. Um, yeah, games are games are also pretty fun. They tend yeah, to be yeah. Pretty, like pretty even deep and interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like even simple things like I, uh, games can be overwhelming sometimes if it's a really complicated from a um, yeah. Go build a World of Warcraft. Clone. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't yeah. Exactly, exactly. Snake, and there's a lot of Pong, like yeah extra um, illustrations that you need for stuff like that. So like even a tic-tac-toe or a crossword puzzle or, yeah. or Sudoku or something like that, just to give you some exposure uh, to different problems so that you can develop that experience.
Yeah, on the subject of games, actually, one of the things that, that I heard recently, a good a good method, although this does get into a little bit of that project uh, territory or product management, is that you take a really simple game like, you know, Breakout or Snake or something like that. Uh, you get that cloned, and then you start tweaking it, start tweaking the rules, like adding like additional features or, you know, power-ups or things like that. But like once you have that that base, then you can get into that feedback loop of like, oh, this would be cool. I want to yeah. see this happen and then and then go for it. And I thought that was a that was a good idea. Generally, I totally when, agree yeah. with that. You know, it's it's important that um when we're building stuff, um it's it can get really frustrating and um you can get demotivated very quickly mm-hmm. um when when you're just learning something new. And so having a quick feedback cycle um of like small quick wins something that you can show your dog and your dog can be so proud of you or something you know like uh, just something that you can be excited maybe not your dog (laughs) but something you can show people and be excited about that i think is useful this is why i typically don't recommend that people go through the fundamentals first necessarily Mm, completely Um, yeah, like I, I hear a lot of people, it's almost like gatekeeping, saying you're not a real developer <laughs> if you don't know. I shouldn't be laughing because it's a real problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's almost funny how stupid it is. But um, yeah, like go go build a thing and those fundamentals will, will come into it. And if you want to level up, that's different. Like it, it, so if you're just trying to get into it, then no, don't bother with the fundamentals. They're it's very difficult to stay motivated if you're yeah, talking about kind of like trying to learn golf by just like really focusing on the like the the sand pits or thing like yeah, that. Yeah, like right. I think you know I feel like that's something that Tiger Woods did, and that has to get that gets into like deliberate practice, where like there was one weak part of his game and practice like getting out of a sand trap like or something yeah. that was like a little bit brutal and like that's not how you start like i don't right. think anyone's going to fall in love with golf by being like okay what's the like most hardest or miserable part of this i'm do that yeah absolutely i totally agree with that um so yeah i i think that you need to do something that will motivate you and will be exciting and then when you've done that and you're like okay so i've um i've got some misunderstandings here or like this part of the code was really difficult. I don't know how to manage state and react or whatever. That's when you're like, okay, let me go back to the fundamentals and then you can uh, focus on, on that. But only after you've, you've nailed that first, like, okay, now I'm motivated. Now I'm interested in, in building this. Um, I almost didn't become a developer because when I started, my first class was a computer systems class. And at the same time, I was taking a uh, intro to programming class that was in Java. The computer systems class, we started out in like they would tr- uh, teach us about transistors and and, you know, XOR gates and AND gates and stuff like this. And and the first program that I wrote in that class was written in machine code, zeros and ones. We just like printed a number to the screen or something like that. It was something silly. And it was like uh, it was outrageously stupid. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sure that like it's obviously useful, <laughs> clearly for for some people, it's important to understand that stuff. But then we we leveled up to assembly and then we went on to C and then um, I don't think we ever got to C++. Um, but then in my Java class, um, so so clearly in that that other that first class, it was very difficult for me to see the practicality uh, of it um, in a, 
like a real world setting. I, I mean, clearly I understand all these computers are using zeros and ones and stuff, but I just couldn't see how applicable it would be in my interest. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Java class, we talked a lot about linked lists and different like data structures and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, very fundamental sort of things. Um, I had a very hard time seeing how it was practical. So after those two classes, I was like, I don't think I want to ever be a programmer ever. And and I didn't go into school yeah. wanting to be a programmer in the first place. So I was, um, right. I, I was going to do electrical engineering. But eventually I found a, uh, I was doing an internship and they wanted me to do some monkey work uh, that it, uh, I decided, well, I, I was taking another programming class as a, a prerequisite for something. And I said, well, okay, so I'm doing this programming class. I have this job, this work uh, thing. It's really monotonous. I think I can automate it if I write a so some software mm. to do it. And so I wrote a, a little Java program that automated my job. And I, I was able to, you know, I got permission, of course, because it took probably longer. <laughs> sure. uh, at least at first, I, I didn't get any work done for a few weeks while I was working on this. Um, but that was when the light bulb turned on and oh i was like my god i love oh. stories like that like I, yeah that is that is always such a good motivator yeah having yeah, something like you're making your life yeah. better and easier yeah exactly like a, a real world oh this is what programming is for um and so that's when i decided okay i think programming might be a fun thing there's something there's something here yeah it's uh the, man I, I think so many people unfortunately have that same experience you did and they don't they don't stick with it they, they just like i don't see how this applies to me it's almost like and I, I think i got this from my publisher um you know nate murray from from new line who i previously had on the show you know he talks about it's like almost as if like bob ross would like have an episode that's like okay here's the molecular composition of paint and it's like no one no one would follow along like no one would you know be happy about that like and you don't need to know it to create you know those paintings that are are fun and and bring you bring you joy um mm. and so just don't feel like you need to like break through that those fundamentals if you're not enjoying them because a lot of time it's not necessary and that's not to say that they're not without value a lot of people are mm. going to find like a ton of value in them but it's just it's probably not necessary for you to achieve like your next goal and your next step and that feedback loop of of like here i did this thing and it's making my life better and then I achieve it, and now I'm on to the next step. That's that's your that's like the wheel. That's like you spin that wheel to like give yourself energy. And when that wheel slows down and the the cycles get longer, you're gonna lose energy and you're gonna get more resistance. You can't you know it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so if you lose that that energy and that momentum, everything's gonna be much harder. And so you don't you don't need to take on. You don't need to play in hard mode. There's no like mm -hmm. bonus points at the end of the game for like, oh wow, you did it on like hurt me plenty mode. Like you don't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't do anything extra for you. Like the more energy and the more motivation that you have into it, the faster you're going to go and the more you're going to like everything. And with that surplus energy, yeah, if you get interested in the fundamentals, there's a ton of resources for it. You can get into it and you can practice your, you know, putting out of a, or whatever, chipping out of a sand wedge, a sand trap. I don't even know why I use a golf. <laughs> I know nothing about that game, but uh, you know, and then you can really take your stuff to the next level with deliberate practice, but you don't, don't start that way. If you don't mm -hmm. need to. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to, um, uh, to be motivated to do this job in the first place. And so you need to find something that is intrinsically motivating uh, in itself. And uh, so that's why I say like uh, building something that uh, either like 
if it's something that you need and you're like, oh, I really want to uh, to build this, you know, um, dog pet counter. Like every time I pet the dog, I, I add <laughs> something to the count. It's like, see, I, I promise I pet you. I've got 12 pet counters on today. But, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to build, like when, when it's a problem that you want to have solved, then it's a lot easier to be motivated. Uh, yeah. But that kind of goes back to the same uh, thing where you don't want to learn to be a product manager as well as a developer. And so um, I, I typically suggest like build a clone first, follow mm -hmm. maybe a few step-by-step uh, -step tutorials if that's helpful for you um, and and make sure that you're, you're building your own thing. And then um, after that, uh, go and, and solve a real problem that you have. Um, and don't, don't be overly ambitious either. Start with something really uh, simple that you can actually ship that actually solves the problem. Um, and then you can iterate to a even better solution over time. And, and you just keep working on it as long as it's interesting to you. And then you can move on to something else. Um, and, and the whole goal here is to expose yourself to problems so that you can develop experience. And so if you're working on this thing and the problems that you're facing look very familiar and you're just like constantly facing the same problems, well, then maybe it's time to mm -hmm. expand your horizon and start a different project that's maybe using different tools or something uh, to expose yourself to different problems uh, so that you can uh, develop even more and varied experience. Yeah. So this uh, image that, that I forget where I originally saw it, but like I absolutely love it. It's just like you know, a drawing or illustration of like two people standing in front of two ladders. And one of them is like a normal size ladder with like all the rungs, like very, you know, neatly spaced in the appropriate ladder size spacing. And that person is like, you know, all the way up the ladder, like getting getting way, way up high off the ground. And then the, the second person and the second ladder, like all the rungs are so far apart. So like standing on the ground, like you can't even the second first rung. And that's that's really important. Like you can't you know, I know it's it's like you get really excited and it's like, oh, I'm going to build this thing and it's going to be so awesome. But like if you if you really over expand the scope too much, um, it becomes a problem. And one thing that I've actually noticed for a lot of Jews is that they have trouble breaking breaking problems down into smaller steps or like smaller problems. Have like have you seen any kind of framework of thinking or, or any kind of uh, perspective that helps um, people like, handle that? Yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, and I I think it, it mostly doesn't come down to, um, oh man, I've got to build this whole system to do this thing. Um, that's just too big. I don't know how to break this down into smaller pieces. And instead, that what, what's easier um, when you don't have a lot of, of experience is to not think about the, the code you have to write to build a specific feature or a product, but actually um, take a step back and think, okay, what's the smallest product that I could possibly build? Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if what you're trying to build is some sort of chat application, um, which involves authentication, it involves a, a server mm -hmm. for managing the chat, a UI, and a, a whole bunch of things, maybe just um, scale it back a little bit and start with a chat that doesn't require login. It's not like, I, I mean, that would never be a good idea, right? <laughs> in, in a real product, but you're not building a real product. Um, yeah. Not yet anyway. Um, I mean, maybe if you want to take on Discord, good luck. Um, but um, <laughs> at this point, that's not where you're at. So uh, scale back and say, okay, we're not going to worry about authentication. That simplifies it a drastic amount. Uh, and then you say, okay, well, what if we um, don't worry about the server? Uh, no and instead, yeah. yeah, yeah, no persistence. Okay, so now um, it's just a chat with myself. 
that's fine. Who cares? <laughs> it's not like you're shipping this to production or whatever. Um, and so now that just it simplifies it even further. So we're not even thinking about the code required um, to to build this thing. We're just taking the our ambitious goal of eventually you could build this out to be a real chat application, but we're shrinking it down to the minimal amount. And then you'd say, okay, well, now we have to have an input where I can type it in. I hit enter and, and this thing shows up on the screen. Um, maybe even that is still too much. And um, let's scale it back down. And now let's just assume that there's already been chat messages and all we have to do is display those. Now that's something that, mm -hmm. that you can start with. Um, and then you can add um, additional features um, over time as you iterate. And so, um, yeah, uh, I find that it's easier to break, break down systems uh, if I'm thinking about the product first um, and how I can simplify the requirements of the product and then uh, uh, turn around and say, okay, so now that I know uh, the scope of this uh, little product that I'm going to, um, now let's talk about the code that's required to make. Yeah, I uh, I really like that example um, also because uh, in the, the first chapter of uh, my book, Full Stack Node, that's uh, a very, very stripped down chat server. Uh, cool. Is kind of what, what I use an example, partly because I feel like that's so core to Node's history, uh, mm. the, the demo chat app. Um, yeah, I really, I really like the way that that you put that. So, okay, so so let's get. We talked a little bit about the gatekeeping and like you're not a real developer. So let's just pretend that somebody does go this approach and they start learning by building things, right? So they they have experiences solving problems and they do this and they wind up being able to solve problems uh, for themselves. They can clone things. Um, what? Where do they go from there? Like, I feel like a lot of people who go that route would wind up with some kind of imposter syndrome, possibly from those, those people who do all that gatekeeping and say that they're not real developers. But like, is there a way for them to know like, oh, wait, I can do this. Like, I can, I can, I can be a professional. I can like trade my expertise and my capabilities like for money or hmm. what's that? What would that transition be like? Well, um, for me, I, so you have to take everything I say with a grain of salt because I went to a university. Um, I graduated the, with a master's degree in information systems. Um, I had the help of the school and, and you know, all of the, that's like a magnet for companies, right? Uh, mm -hmm. to, to come in. And of course, like I, I interviewed and everything, but um, it's just a lot easier when you've got that sort of support system. Um, but thinking now, um, if, if I were in the position of uh, somebody who didn't go to university, didn't go to even a boot camp, and I just learned everything on my own, um, what I would say to myself, <laughs> I guess, is <laughs> as soon as you decide you want to do this, you start applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and because even if you don't get that job, it's not like these companies are going to track you and be like, oh, you just applied six months ago. There's no way mm -hmm. we're going to mm -hmm. uh, interview you again. Um, any company that, that would do that is just stupid. So I wouldn't <laughs> worry about that anyway. Yeah. Um, and so there's also a lot of comes out. There. Yeah. Yeah. They're like you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would I would immediately start applying for jobs. And um, it, that gives you a lot of experience interviewing. Um, I would probably end up interviewing dozens and dozens of times um, and it would get exhausting. But you would develop a really, really good idea of what uh, the interview process is like for most companies and, and what skills you're lacking. Um, 
And so, yeah, I would instantly start like I would not wait. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you're pl- I, I've had plenty of people telling me, oh, I'm going to wait another three months uh, before I start applying for jobs. Yeah, I'm going to start just, grinding like, on leak code. I'm going to make sure that I really like get everything top notch and then I'll start. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely heard that. And I just kind of like, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Like I <laughs> just start applying. Like why? What is wrong with applying right now? Um, and rejection, rejection stings. Yeah, know? that's um, true. It does. It, it, it hurts. Um, and maybe this is just part of my my character. I, I've um, ever since I was younger, um, I have just gotten really used to being enthusiastic about something. And um, everybody else around me is not nearly as enthusiastic about it. And um, I get rejected. Um, hmm. I, I was a performer in high school. I did um, show choir and I would uh, audition for pretty much all of the solos. I got rejected 95% of the time. Uh, so I'm just really used to rejection. It doesn't bother me. Um, mm-hmm. And so if, if you're really impacted by rejection, then maybe work on that um, just in general. Because uh, I, I think <laughs> I you mean, can... you'd think that this would be a self uh, solving problem, too. Like if you maybe like build that like tolerance to rejection muscle kind of at the same time. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah. So I, I would start um, applying. But then I I've always felt like it, when I don't have a job, my job is finding a job. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I would spend a lot of time looking, uh, or getting those interviews lined up. And then I'd spend a lot of time working on these, these projects. And as you said, like, let's assume that we've already done all the clones and, and we've developed some pretty good experience. Um, and so the, the next thing that, or, or the other thing that I would do right from day one is start blogging about what I was learning. Uh, I would, uh, mm-hmm. that early on, um, I would probably blog every day. Uh, yeah. If I was looking for a job, I would be just rapidly creating content on what I'm learning. Um, the big pushback that I get from people on that is like, oh, but everybody's written a blog post on how const works or something like, <laughs> but you know what? I don't care. And nobody else does either. It, it matters zero. Um, yeah. Like the, the price or the cost for everybody else in the world for you to publish a new blog post is zero. And so who cares what, whether somebody else has, has created this content, you haven't created it yet. And so um, there is room for you to create that. So I would absolutely be blogging. I would um, make uh, video uh, stuff on, on YouTube. I would be creating content because um, a lot of getting a job comes uh, down to perception uh, and you need people to perceive you as an expert in whatever it is that you want to be perceived as an expert in. Um, and so if I wanted to be perceived as an expert React developer and that's what I, the job that I wanted to get, then I would be creating, like churning out content on React constantly. Um, and the, the process of, of churning that content out would force me into really knowing my stuff. So when I get yeah. into the interview, and they say, okay, well, show me how to use use effect properly. Um, then I can say, oh, well, I wrote like 30 blog posts on this. And I know exactly, um, you know, all of the questions that came up when I was uh, writing these blog posts um, prepared me for this interview where they're going to ask me, okay, well, what happens if you don't provide that dependency in the dependency array? Well, um, if you didn't spend the time to dive a little bit deeper by creating the content, then you might not know the answer to the question. But if, if you were writing a blog post and you say, well, here's the dependency array and here's, um, here's what you have to pass into it. And as, as you're writing it, um, a question will pop up in your mind. Well, okay, what happens if I don't pass that? Mm -hmm. Like you don't think about that if you're not creating, um, some form of consumable content, 
Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's just more natural, I guess, to, yeah, to think about those sorts there's of questions. Actually, yeah, there's actually another fun effect that, that happened. Do you do have a lot of content published? Is that in the interview, um, believe it or not, this might shock people, but oftentimes interviewers are lazy and coming up with interview <laughs> yeah. questions is actually kind of uh, work in itself. And to the extent that you have a website up or a blog or all of this content, you're kind of going to make it tempting for them to just be like, oh, hold on, let me check out this candidate. Oh, cool. They got a blog. Oh, okay. They wrote about this thing. Okay. I'm going to ask him about that. You're probably going to even wind up forcing their hand into like asking you questions about things that you have written about. Like they're, yeah, they're al- you're almost going to like increase the likelihood that they're going to give you softball questions based on what you already want to talk about. Of course, this isn't guaranteed, but I think this also gets into the to the concept of a lot of interviewers are looking see, like they're trying to predict the future really is what, what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to be like, OK, let's fast forward to the future. You're working for me. What's what's that going to be like if I ask you to do something? Are you going to be able to do it? Are you just going to be like, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'll get this done. And then they check in on you like a week later and like nothing's done. Or you just like went down a rabbit hole, like trying to build like, you know, something else or whatever it is, like they're trying to figure out, okay, is this going to be a productive member of my team? And the more content that you have, that you're exposing the way that you think about problems and the way that you work and what you're capable of, the less prediction they need to do. They can almost just Mm. like know, oh, okay, this is what I'm buying. (laughs) You know, so it's it's, it's more like, oh, this is on the menu. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'll I'll have this. And they don't really need to grill you with the data system, you know, the data structures and algorithms questions that they would somebody who they're unfamiliar with. And, And part of the reason why those questions are so common is because they're often employed by companies who are really going after people right out of school who don't have their own self-guided experience or work experience or anything like that. And that's more or less the common denominator is like, how, how much do you remember from your courses? And like, how good are you at these, these puzzles? But mm-hmm. if you provide, you know, um, Swix, Swix may have called it proof of work, but if you provide like this proof of work where, where they can just validate, you know, almost do like a checksum of like, oh, okay, you can do the stuff that we do. You kind of make their job easier and they're going to more or less rely on on that. And, it, and it's just going to, I mean, it's going to play to, to your strengths and what you've chose, you know, what you chose to do already. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, and the other thing is, um, a lot of getting into this industry has to do with luck and who you know, and that sort of thing. And yeah. um, you can't really control your luck, but you can um, increase the number of time or the number of situations where you're lucky. Um, yeah, the surface area. I've yeah, the heard, surface yeah. area. Yep, exactly. And so by writing a bunch of blog posts or making, even if you want to be the TikTok developer, whatever way that you're creating this content, um, it just increases the likelihood that some manager or some engineer is going to happen upon your your posts and say, wow, this person's looking really good. And, oh, their Twitter bio says that they're looking for a job or, oh, they, their blog at the very bottom says, please hire me, uh, whatever yeah. it is. Like, um, you're just going to increase the chance that somebody's going to see that. They're going to say, oh, that solved a problem for me. We are hiring and they're looking to be hired. Let's make this happen. So 
Um, yeah, that, oh, you're going to skip so much nonsense. If, oh, if that, yeah. If you go that route, like you, it's your job to lose. Like they're not they're not trying to chew out. Like a lot of times when you go through the front door, like they're they're like skeptical of you. Like yeah. they're, they're you're like presumed guilty until proven innocent. And like <laughs> you you kind of have to like really convince them that you know what you're doing. But if they find you, um, then they're convincing you to to take the the job like even yeah. if you're really stoked about it um they've kind of almost made up their mind and it's it's i love i love that you brought up this example because i've totally gotten a job like this i i remember mm. I, I had a i had a job that i was like not particularly stoked about and there was like one day where a product manager told me that i had to this, i know this is such like first world like <laughs> super baby uh, you know, baby developer, you know, whiny problems. But, you know, it was like, no, you have to be in the office now every day at like 9 a.m. Oh, look, I know, you know, oh, the humanity. But anyways, <laughs> it pissed me off. And I was like, cool, I'm going to start blogging now. Um, and so I started blogging. I had like some, a bunch of articles about like data visualization. And uh, I, I, I got tracked down. Some company was like, you're in L.A., we're in L.A., we love your articles. Like, will you please come in and like talk to us? And uh, yeah, then I awesome. then I wound up joining, and that was my like you know got another work from home gig, and I was Sweet. like, bye manager, this you brought this upon yourself, see ya. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I you know, and that's more to just say like this is not this is not some fictional thing that that doesn't happen. It like absolutely does happen if you put this stuff out there. It's not guaranteed and it can take a while and you do have to, you can't just be like, oh, I wrote a, wrote a blog post now, like some company's going to find it and then they're going to yeah. hire me. <laughs> um, but if you make this a habit and you you put it out there and you are doing things that are interesting or, or solving real problems, um, you know, like Kent says, they're, you're really increasing the odds and that's that is something that you have control over. You can, you can, you can control how many times you roll those dice, and yeah. that really helps. Yeah, precisely. And um, it it also like so many of the things that you said are are absolutely true. Like interviewers are lazy; they want to um, make it easier for them to find people. Um, so yeah, like I said, if if I were brand new starting today, I'd never done any software development, um, and I went to myself uh, as a software developer and said, "Hey, what what advice do you have? I want to get into software." Then I would tell myself. Um, start blogging today, start looking for jobs today. And, uh, here's a, uh, you know, intro to JavaScript, go, go learn this. Um, mm -hmm. and I actually have a blog post that outline outlines a couple of, uh, resources for people just getting started, but, um, yeah, and get started, um, go through a couple of tutorials, get your, your computer set up and, and, uh, start building stuff and spend, you know, a couple hours every day looking for inter interviews, um, a couple hours every day building stuff. And then like the last hour of your day should be, here's what I learned today. Um, uh, mm. Write a blog post or, or make a YouTube video or start a podcast um, or something like that. Um, just increase that that surface area of um, the people that you're, oh, and start a Twitter uh, and active. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's a really important point on Twitter. Um, I see a lot of people make the mistake of um, tweeting to get followers rather than tweeting to provide value. So um, mm. there, you can either... Uh, tweet to say, hey, you give me something or tweet to say, hey, here's something I can give you. Um, and yeah. so like you'll see people tweet uh, questions like, what's your favorite IDE or, you know, that are just it's mm. so clearly um, a, a, a 
like either a controversial topic or, or something just to get views on the tweet. Don't be that kind of Twitter person. Mm-hmm. Um, focus on providing value to the Twitterverse and the Twitterverse will come back and, and provide value back to you. The, and this, this would apply to whatever social media platform or anything. Uh, focus on just creating value and doing it consistently. And eventually the, that following will come and, and that increased uh, visibility will, will happen naturally. This is the approach that I took and it's been a lot more successful for me. Um, you, you don't want to just have all of the people who... So here, here's the difference is if, if you get a bunch of followers, like hundreds of thousands of followers or whatever, um, because you're the one who posts the funniest memes or whatever, <laughs> um, then that's great. Like it's that's fine. But when people say, hey, we need to have a, a data viz guy or gal, mm-hmm. um, uh, who should we get? They are not going to think of the meme <laughs> person like they just won't. So no. yeah. um, you need to establish yourself a reputation for yourself for whatever work it is that you're trying to do, the work mm-hmm. you're trying to get. Um, and you do that by just consistently uh, providing that uh, that type of content. And then when people come to you, they say, oh, OK, I know that. Um, they know what they're talking about in this realm. So I'm going to give them. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think the only thing I'll add is, is that I think it'll also feel better. Like if you are, (laughs) if you're constantly trying to get the views, you know, based on like controversy or, or memes or something like that, that's, that's never really going to make you feel better. I don't, I don't don't really know if it's going to be tied to imposter syndrome, but it's like, it's not going to make you feel more capable, like in your in your craft so like it'll, totally. it'll also feel better for that and also it's going to make you feel better that you're like helping people like they're going to have problems that you, you are going to be providing them like help and just also going to make you feel better yeah, uh, absolutely yeah Kent, this has been great so where can people find out more about you uh you can find me at uh, kentcdodds.com and um all of the links to everything else is there um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I have a Discord uh, that is really active, a really awesome place to hang out. So if you want to uh, join us there, it's kentseedoz.com slash Discord to learn more about that. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I just I just took a look at your Discord. That is really well done, really well run, the way that you have all of the the different channels and the the bot and everything. That is that just, yeah, I do want to point that out. Definitely check out uh, Kent's Discord. It's a really, really vibrant community there. Thank uh, you. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior Senior. Having trouble finding senior front-end full-stack engineers? Sponsoring JSLA is one of the best ways to confront of the best JavaScript devs. And to learn more, head over to la or send me an email at david at js.com.